Hey, Laura. Yeah? You want to talk about Leo? You have no idea how much I want to talk about Leo. Welcome, gentle listeners, to Let's Talk About Leo. This is the podcast where we discuss the body of work of Leonardo DiCaprio one film at a time. I am Meredith, and with me, as always, on this mission is my my dear, dear sister and fellow Leo lover, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. Uh, today, we are going to be discussing Leo's first film with his mentor and work husband, Martin Scorsese. But before we do that, let's check in. How are you, Laura? Uh, good. I, I started out my day in a very nice way today. Uh, my best friend's future mother-in-law, who I am also close to, tagged us both in this amazing video. Like, it wasn't a video, but like, I don't know what to call it. It's not a meme. It's not, it's just a thing of Leo. Like, one of those things that starts, um, it has a bunch of pictures and it starts from when he's a baby and then like his face morphs through the years. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You don't know. It made me think of that commercial a couple of years ago where there were just so many faces. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, it's kind. I mean, the thing is kind of creepy because it's like moves like his head position, but his eyes are always the same. Um, I tagged it in it so that you could share it on the Instas. Ooh, I will do that. Insta Instagram content. Yeah. So. Uh, I think the general listeners will enjoy it. It's it's not like super creepy. It's just a little creepy. Don't stare at it for too long, but give it a good amount of time, you know. Okay. Okay. Um also, I just I like really love that this podcast has made him like our thing that people like see him and then they think of us. That's so sweet. Yeah. That is really nice. I mean, I like it. He's our thing. It's better than some other other things it could be, like Hitler. Yeah. Like, what if every time someone saw Hitler, they're like, oh, gee, Meredith and Laura. Let's, oh, God. Let's, that would be the freaking worst. <laughs> let's send this video of a, of a Hitler speech to them. They'll appreciate it. Oh, my God. Don't it. send me any Hitler speeches ever. No. We don't care for them. Ever. We don't care about his friggin' struggle. Nobody mm-hmm. should write a book about their friggin' struggles, especially when you didn't really have one and you were just bad at art. Dude, I was I was at a bookstore the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was just like wandering about and I looked down and there's a book by someone who's not Hitler mm-hmm. and the book is in English and it's entitled My Struggle. And I was like, how did he not know? Oh, dear. Just for the our listeners who don't know, Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, translates in English as My, my struggle. struggle. My uh. Struggle. <laughs> Everything's so hard for me and I really struggle. Please read about My Struggle. Yeah. I struggled so much that I have to kill millions and millions of people. Yeah, like, no, nobody has to do that. Be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> sit down. Sit down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to tell you about that, though. Oh, I, I like that. That's good. Um, also, I went to our parents' house yesterday, and mom was listening to our podcast. No, mom, and stop. She was, on, she was on Total Eclipse, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is the penis episode. And just like to warn her. And she was like, you guys talk about penises a lot. I wouldn't know which one that is. What is she talking about? I don't know. I feel like we talk about them a normal amount. Could be worse. 
I definitely know people who talk about penises more than us. Yeah. Like, I think mom just talks about penises less than most people. Probably. Don't take offense, mom. <laughs> and also, you don't have to listen. This might not be for you. And we still feel supported and loved. Um, I just wanted to say, like, if you're like our mother and you feel that we talk about them too much, then we will take that into consideration. But we refuse to change our ways. So, yeah. Just it sounds like a you problem. <laughs> it's a real big you problem. Uh, and lastly, uh, my for my news, in the dog news, Oliver is having oral surgery on Tuesday. And because he has to just get some, he has to get some teeth extracted. Um, And Emma, my older dog, who's 12, has a clean bill of health and she will be starting cannabis treatment for her arthritis soon. Stoner doggy. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't have THC in it. Um, But anyway, it's still cannabis treatment. Now, yeah. So like before you come breaking into my house to rob me of my cannabis products, please note that A, it's legal in California. So please go buy your own. Uh, or B, the pill and P B, the pill she's taking, they don't have TH in C in them, just CBD, which is not psychoactive, and therefore cannot help you. So, yeah, I'm just really hoping it helps her out. So arthritis is her only health issue, so if we could take care of that and she could be comfortable, that would be great. Uh, that was a cool story. I'm glad that your dogs are doing are well. Are you saying that was a cool that story, need. like not in a real way? No, if I wanted that, I would have said, cool story, Jeopardy, contestant, and moved on with life. But I didn't do that, did I? Okay, no. Um, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's been a good week. I'm going to make some lotion. I've decided to get into making my own lotion. All natural, DIY, beauty products. <laughs> God, I can't even say it. It's so ridiculous. But anyway, I like um I'm I'm on this quest to have like fully cruelty-free beauty products and I know that I can go and buy those at the store, but a lot of the ones that actually work are also highly carcinogenic, so I just like I'm trying to like not do that and I was like I could just buy some coconut oil and some shea butter and some essential oils and make a sweet sweet smelling lotion. And so I went to the store today to get the shea butter and the co- and the um essential oils because I already have coconut oil like like any self-respecting 28-year-old woman. Um and I got this really lovely uh, it, it's it's like a blend of essential oils, and it's supposed to be a romance blend. But really, it's just like orange and like citrus and ylang ylang and jasmine. And it's I normally am not like big into flowery scents, but it's not like old lady flowery. Like it just smells like a summer breeze, and I'm super delighted by it. Sometimes I think that maybe I could become like a holistic beauty mogul and like sell, and it'll all start with lotion. Okay. So, everybody, let's check back next week, and I'll let you know how the lotion goes. Okay. Ne- next week, you're going to be a mogul. I'm going to be a mogul next week. <laughs> yeah. Next, by next week. Yes. That's how fast it happens. Yeah. Just ask Oprah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm good. I'm glad you're doing well. It sounds like uh, things are, are going uphill. I also- That's bad. I forgot to- Oh, sorry. Things are going- No. It's all down. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Things are going Things are going smoothly. down. Things are going smoothly. There are no hills. Things are going uphill. (laughs) Sounds like you're really struggling over there with your heavy breathing. What? I have heavy breathing? No, I was being you talking to me going uphill. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Okay. All right. 
I need to clear my mind here. So can you mm-hmm. tell me, do you have any news for Leo this week? Um, I just got some. Uh, <laughs> this, this <Justin>. Hold on. <laughs> you guys. Uh, Jimmy McGumption is back. This just in. Some lean news on Star, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, it's actually not so much about him. It is. It involves him. So The Sun, the amazing UK tabloid, wrote that Margot Robbie got seriously hands-on with Leonardo DiCaprio to bag her role in The Wolf of Wall Street. That sounds dirty. It does. And so I was like, what? What? She's just his type, blonde and beautiful. And like 25 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised Uh, that didn't happen. I think she was born in 1992. And I think she said that on SNL and then I turned it off. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe in people younger than me. Me so, but what really happened is that, um, so speaking about the audition, Martin Scorsese said she, she clenched, clen- clenched, <laughs> Jesus H. Please we got into some out. of the dog cannabis treats. And- <laughs> <laughs> Laura sent me some of the dog's cannabis and now I'm out of control. Out of control. Uh, brief of madness over here. It's, it's going on. <laughs> Um, okay, so anyway, speaking about the audition, Martin said she clinched her, her part in The Wolf of Wall Street during our first meeting by hauling off and giving Leonardo DiCaprio a thunderclap of a slap on the face. Ooh. So she just slapped him on the face. Sounds great. And then Martin Scorsese was like, I've wanted to do that my whole life, and then hired her. I'm just kidding. That's not in there. Oh. <laughs> I was like, he really said that? That's so rude. No, but he did say it was an improvisation that stunned us all. Oh, God. So, you guys, if you are ever in an audition situation with Leonardo DiCaprio, just punch him in the nose. Or slap him. And or you will get, or, you'll get the role. Or look him right in the eyes. Mm-hmm. That's what Claire Danes did. So, really, all you have to do is show no fear. <laughs> You're, you're going, Leo, you're good it's to go. the same scenario as when you encounter a bear in the wild. Exactly. Show Make no fear. Make yourself very large because now remember Natalie Portman didn't get the, that role because she was, she was so tiny. Just, yeah, it's true. So make yourself large. Mm-hmm. Look him in the eye mm-hmm. and slap him. <laughs> okay, that's not good advice for bears. No, you're supposed to make yourself big and make a lot of noise and throw crap at them, but don't look them in the eye. You're not supposed to. Yeah, yeah, never. (laughs) Isn't that a mountain lion? You're supposed to do that for a mountain lion? All wild predators. Okay. Except for sharks. Okay. Um, Well, that's interesting news. So, yeah, he he really, he values people that don't show fear. And just Mm -hmm. walk right up to him and smack him. Sounds great. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Good news. Are you gonna? How about you? Do you have any Leo news? <laughs> um, so first of all, I want to say that whenever we do this segment, I Google Leo, and then I click for news. You know, um, oh, that's not how I do it. Oh, I actually Google the words Leonardo DiCaprio news, and that's probably why we come up with different things. Well, let's and continue. why my news is always from like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I Google him and then I click news and it's gotten to the point where if I type L for any reason, it fills in with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, mine started doing that a long, long time ago. Yeah. And every time that happens, I wonder for a moment if maybe I should rethink my life. And then I'm just like overwhelmingly proud of my life choices and of this podcast. So no, I'm not going to rethink my life. 
No, never. <laughs> never back down, never surrender. No. So anyway, it's actually perfect timing because this week our movie is Gangs of New York. Uh, and it marked the first time that uh, Leo and Martin Scorsese worked together. And oh, I actually didn't say that. I just said that it was his first film with his mentor and work husband. Oh, yeah. We're talking about Gangs of New York today, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Since the first time they worked together. My news is that there is yet another collaboration in the works. <gasps> Ooh, yay. What two. Is two possible, actually. So it's long been rumored that Leo is attached to play one of the of America's first serial killers, H.H. H. Holmes, in The Devil in the White City, which the true crime community has been waiting for. Like, all my podcasts have mentioned this, um, but it never seems to be more than a rumor, but it is always being talked about. Now, Leo is also said to be teaming up with Scorsese and friend of the podcast, Robert De Niro. Bobby D. For another true crime adaptation of Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders and the Birth of the FBI. So it's about the murders of the people of the Osage Indian Nation after oil was found under their land and they got super rich. And uh, then somebody came and like killed them all. Yeah. So. So I'm into it. I like that idea, even though the room it's just a rumor at this point. I hope it happens. I, I like I this. I think Devil in the White City would be better. Either one or both. I did not read the book of Devil in the White due City due to my my crippling fear of serial killers. Oh, I have. I'm not. Meh. Um. Um. Also, I don't want to be weird, but if you Google AJ Holmes, he was kind of hot. A lot of serial killers were, I'm sure. Phys- yeah, because like nobody wants to talk to a gross person. Oh God! That's so <laughs> rude! Wow! Oh my God! Oh my that God! You're going come. straight to hell with no purgatory for that comment. I'm so sorry. Not only were you talking about how hot a vicious murderer was, <laughs> but then you're like, nobody wants to talk to an uggo, and like moving on with your life. I'm sorry. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh. So that's my news. It's just a little bit of news and. It's not, you know, it's not even like real news, but it's just something that's out there. Keep your keeping your fingers on the pulse of Leo. I kind of hope that Leo doesn't do Devil in the White City, even though it would be really good because I would have to watch it. And then you like we you know how like when I'm going to sleep at night and I'm about to fall asleep and then my brain goes, hey, you know what we haven't thought about in a while? Serial killers. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but I did. I thought about it today already. (laughs) Yeah. And then I can't go to sleep because I'm afraid of them. Well, I hope he does do it. Yeah. I mean, I hope he does too. It'd be a good it'd be a good move for him. I just hope he has a lot of success for the rest of his life. That's it. That's Amen. We can end this podcast right now. No, I don't want to. I'm so okay, looking forward not. to today. Let's go let's move on. Okay. Is that all your Leo news? That, I I said it wasn't very good. No, it was fine. I was it was there was no judgment in my tone. Okay, yeah, that's it. Okay. All right, so a quick bit of business before we move on to Gangs of New York, okay? Uh, If you go onto Leo's IMDb, which I do almost daily, um, you will see there is actually a film listed between Celebrity and Gangs of New York. And when you see that, you might be tempted to ask, Meredith, Laura, you said you were watching all of Leo's movies. Why not Don's Plum? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, girls. Why not Don's Plum? Why not? (laughs) And I'm here to answer that for you. Good. Okay? Please. We are not watching Don's Plum. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. because Leo doesn't want us to, and we respect his wishes. Also, this you movie was written. You can't and, find it anywhere either. It's been banned all, from dr- America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this movie was written and whatnot by a member of the Wolf Pack whose name I didn't care to look up. And so Leo and Toby were like solid, supportive friends and were in the movie. But yes. the movie turned out to be terrible. Terrible. Like horrible. Like humiliating humiliatingly horrible Mm -hmm. and leo and toby took legal action to keep this movie from being released yep so not only does leo not want us to see this movie but it's nearly impossible to find so we are skipping don's plum also i don't want to say that title ever again in my whole life what do you think what do you think that refers to it makes me think of tom thumb yeah who then like put his thumb in a pie and pulled out a plum Mm mm-hmm but I think that Don would be a stoner oh. who like puts his thumb into a pie and like pulls out something magical or something. No, I don't think and that's then they the have plot. To, like go on it, or he gets his thumb stuck up his butt. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is going on today? It's Earth Day, ladies and gentlemen, and Earth Day is a day of merriment and giggles. Yeah, of course. Um, um, I don't know what the plot of this movie. I'm looking is. it up I right didn't now. Didn't look into it. I'm looking it up right now. Oh, it actually has three stars on IMDb. And how did these people? It's probably just it? the guy that wrote it. He's probably the no. Only it was. That I, I think it. it was released in um in like Norway or Denmark or. Oh, they have weird senses of humor. Yeah. I'm just kidding. They're perfectly fine. It's not weird. It's just cultural. Oh my god! Do you, I'm gonna edit this out. Do you know who's in this movie? Who? Jenny Lewis. I'm going to edit it out, so go ahead and just. You can keep that in if you want. Sure. Um, <laughs> here's, here's the storyline for this movie. Okay, I'm waiting with bated breath. A group of Los Angeles teenagers meet every week at their local diner to discuss their latest misadventures and their miserable lives. That's how I would describe the plot to any movie written by a Gen X. <laughs> um, okay, okay, so yeah, wait, because wait, even wait, the... Wait, I would like okay. to read you some quotes from this movie. I think that we should pay some attention to this movie. I'm just going to okay, read you. Okay, okay. there's only two quotes available. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one's seen it. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, th- this one has my least favorite word in it, so I'm going to say crap instead. Because, gentle listeners, I really hate the word that starts with S and rhymes with hit. I don't know why. I just really hate it. I'm not against you, anybody else. Well, I don't like hearing it, but okay. Anyway, here's the quote. I'm better looking than you, so why doesn't that kind of crap happen to me? Or, second quote, you better effing chew on that fear because it isn't going away until you swallow it. Oh, my God. All right. So that's so that's, that's why plum. Leo didn't want us to see that movie. So yeah. we are skipping straight to Gangs of New York. The end. Yeah. OK. Now that that's done, we've gotten that out of the way. Uh, Laura. Yeah. Had you seen Gangs of New York before? Um, so this might make me kind of a terrible person, but I had never seen any Martin Scorsese movie before this movie 
and I had never seen this movie before last night. So no. You hadn't seen any Martin Scorsese movies? No, I think I heard that like his films are generally like super violent and I underestimated I underestimated my stomach for violence and so I avoided it. They're also really long. He's very into long movies and like warning to the gentle listeners, this movie is like 3 hours long, but worth every t- minute. Um so yeah, I don't know. I didn't I had no idea what to expect because I all I knew was that Leo was in it and that everybody said Daniel Day-Lewis was amazing and that's all I knew. Um and I know that people would like love this movie and I'd heard it was fantastic, but I never made the time for it because as I said before, I'm a creature of habit. I generally don't branch out to new things because I never really get sick of the old things I love. But when I watched this last night, uh, after I watched this last night, it now sits very pretty at number five on my list of top favorite movies. Wait, not just Leo movies, like movies. It's a Wonderful Life is number one. When Harry Met Sally is number two. The Big Lebowski is number three. Say Anything is number four. And Gangs of New York is number five. Damn. Yeah, I love this movie so much. Wait, you love this movie more than Catch Me If You Can? Yes. <gasps> really? Yes. Wow. I mean, it's... That's a really hard... You just asked me to choose between two of my children. It's a Sophie's choice. You have to pick it. <clears throat> yeah, but and I, I've more recently watched this one. But like the, last week, I said The Beach was my new favorite Leo movie. It is not. Gangs of New York is my favorite Leo movie now. The Beach is number two. Titanic so is number did, three. What did you like so much about it? Um, well, I, I don't know. I liked the whole tone of it. Like the costumes and the makeup were amazing. I was impressed like the whole time. The tone of the movie was exactly what the quick and the dead was aiming for. Yeah. This was like this was like the remake of the quick and the dead that was way better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that, actually. And Daniel Day Lewis blew my freaking mind. Saying that Daniel Day-Lewis is so good, though, is almost like being like, and the sun exists. Yeah, but like, he, he it's played. just like stating facts. Like, he, he, more than any other actor on the face of this earth, never disappoints. And But he played a Trump supporter so very, very well. Oh, you wait, know? That, what? <laughs> That's not what this movie's about. <laughs> oh, it was. Or is it? That is exactly <laughs> what this movie is about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was amazing. I thought Leo took his his. His craft to new levels. <laughs> um, even though I think he forgot to do his Irish accent sometimes. Actually, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And the themes of the movie are like so incredibly relevant today. And a lot of the dialogue could have just been like lifted directly from the script and placed into the mouth of our current president. Yeah. So I'm pumped to hear your thoughts. Had you seen this movie before? No, I had not seen Gangs of New York before. I remember when it came out and I remember it was like a big deal. Not like Titanic big, but like it was a big deal. And, um, but I remember hearing that it was super violent. And I, how old would I have been? It was 2002, so I was 15. Yeah. That was the year I graduated high school. Yeah, I was 15 and I just, I didn't really like violence. And if I was going to go spend money to see a movie at the movie theater, I was going to go see Spider-Man. And also this movie came out at the same time as Catch Me If You Can. So if you're our age back then and you had a choice between two Leo movies, you would have gone to you see Catch Me If You Can. Me can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But yeah, so I, I saw I thought it was like a grown-up movie. So I just like didn't see it. Um, and then I heard it was really long, and I typically do not have the attention span for movies in general. I tend to fall asleep, which is why this podcast it's is so, so good for me. It's so annoying when you, you I do know. That. I'm really sorry. I'm much more of a television-oriented <laughs> person. Um, but <laughs> my main exposure to this movie is through um, Blake, my my dear beloved fiancé, who this is like one of his favorite movies of all time. And he just like randomly quotes it like a lot. But I didn't realize that he was doing that. And so like half of the lines in this movie, I was like, oh my God, that's where that came from. Like he, one of the th- first things he ever said about me was that I was a prim looking stargazer. And oh, I was I like, like, what that. the F does that mean? And he was like, it's what Leo says about that chick in Gangs of New York. And I was like, okay. You should always <laughs> and- say what Leo says. Yeah, and then and I think it's also because his best friend's name is John, so like a lot of these things can be said like are said to a, guy, a character named Johnny. Oh my god! But then he's always like, I don't know why, but every once in a while he'll just like when Blake's like cooking in the kitchen, he'll just look at me and go, "The blood stays on the blade." <laughs> and then the other one is like, "The five points are the fingers, and when I close them, I make a fist." He likes that one too. <laughs> And then every once in a while, he'll also just scream out, I've never dealt a foul blow in my life, and may God greet me as a friend. <laughs> I've never struck a foul blow in my life or whatever. And he also That's likes such to refer to like... quote. I know, but he loves it. And he, he also um, <laughs> sometimes will just yell out something about snick thievery. And I'm always like, for for five, five years, I've been like, what on earth are you talking about? I'm like, snick thievery? Where did you get that? And he'll just be like, Gangs of New York. And so I just like, I we typically do not like the same movies. And so I just was like, oh, he really likes this movie. I probably won't like it. Yeah. Um, but I loved this movie. It's so good. Other than being about an hour too long. No. I, it's too no. long. Mm-mm. It is at least 40 no. minutes this too long. Perfect. No. Perfect. Part of the problem maybe is that I had to watch it in two segments because I didn't allow for the amount of time that it would take to watch this movie. Mm. I just like completely underestimated it. And so I had to leave. You didn't do your like, job. Right. Yeah, I didn't do my job very well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I have poor time management skills. Which actually isn't true. But um, but yeah, so I had to watch like the last hour of it a, on a different day. And so I think it just seemed a little disjointed to me because of that. But it is a long movie. Um, but, you know, that's like Leo and Scorsese's whole thing. They do really long movies. But it's such a solid movie. It's good. And it tells an interesting story with an, with an interesting background in an interesting way. And like it's – it's kind of cartoony because that makes – I feel like they did that because it makes the violence – like, it makes it so you can actually absorb the violence because yeah. you're a little bit detached from it. That's true. Also, like, I, when you said um, earlier this week, uh, I said, what's it like? Is it scary? Is it – and you were like, it's cartoony. And I was like, what? And then the second uh, Daniel Day Lewis's character appeared, I was like, oh, cartoony. Yeah, it's almost like Roger Rabbit or something like that. Like, it's it's very weird. The aesthetic is very weird. I love it. And it, like, it. hovers I in this world because it's telling, like, real stories that actually happened, mm-hmm. but, like, in a fake universe. Yes. And so it's, like, a nice – it's, like, almost like a little Baz Luhrmann detachment thing. Yeah. Um, that's – yeah, you're right. I was Which actually, now that I'm it. thinking about it, is um, – oh, my God, what is his name? Super famous playwright. Not Beckett. William Shakespeare. No. 
Oh, I gotta look this one up. He's, Christopher he's Marlowe. No, no, not at that time period. Oh. Um, Neil Simon. Hold on, no. Neil okay. Sadaka. No. <laughs> no. What's <laughs> What's his name? I don't What's know. His name? <laughs> does it matter? Uh, no, it does. It does. He's German. Brecht. Oh, yes. There's like a German word that means like alienation and detachment. So you're like just slightly detached from whatever it is that you're watching so that you can see it without being too emotional. Mm -hmm. And like that was the cartooniness of this movie is to do that. So like Scorsese was not trying to like manipulate your emotions with the violence and make you be like, oh, these people suffered. Because this movie is incredibly violent. It is games, Game of Thrones level violent. Yeah. And but and like but the violence in this movie is very clearly like necessary for these people survival in that place and time and it's also like it's not how like Spielberg does violence where he like beats you over the freaking head with how horrible brute force is Mm -hmm. it's just like it's weirdly like a part of the landscape of this time and place it's not Tarantino violence either it's not like it's not not glam yeah uh, glamorized is what I was gonna say yeah 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 and like I don't know it it it's also like true to the history of the five points and of New York City and of America in general. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite museums, Laura knows this, in New York City is the Tenement Museum on the oh. Lower East Side. That's what I felt like I was in the Tenement Museum. You basically were. Um, so gentle listeners, the Tenement Museum is this museum, as I said, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, um, which is basically where this whole movie takes place. And um, they have kept... I've actually only ever done one of the tours. There's two different tours, but they have like kept these tenement apartments in the way that they would have been, like even with like families' belongings, and they know what families actually lived there during the, these specific times. And they like walk you through and like tell you what the neighborhood of w- would have been like, and they show you like drawings of what the neighborhood looked like, and it basically looks like this movie. Um, and so Laura and I have both done the Irish one as we are of Irish ancestry and that seemed really interesting. But I really want to go do the Russian one and see what that's like too. Um, it's like 10 bucks. It's super cheap. If you're ever in New York City, I it's highly recommend well it. Worth it. it was, it's um, well worth it. Yeah, but they tell you all about like the five points and they tell you about Tammany Hall, which by the way, they're tearing down Tammany Hall to build condos. Your silence is the perfect response because I walked by the other day and I saw it all boarded up and I was like, what the actual F is happening so right stupid. now? Like, you can't tear that down. Like, how is that not a landmark? No, yeah. How is it not a landmark? I have no idea. Uh, probably because it was retrofitted and became a theater. It, ever, for like a long time, it's been the Union Square oh, Theater. Bummer. But I'm really that sad sucks. about That's it. That's stupid. Anyway. Also, Tammany Hall sounds like a pop star. Totally. Or like a Doesn't candy. It? I'm going to have some Tammany Hall. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I really like this Not as much movie. as I did, I though? I thought it was really... Um, I don't think... It's not my favorite Leo movie at what this What is your moment, favorite? But I think I need to watch it all okay, in one Okay, coming second. back to what is your favorite Leo movement, a movement movie at this moment? Uh, and what is your favorite movement that he does? <laughs> <laughs> the Hinkle McCrinkles is my favorite movie. Uh, our movement. God, we're backwards. Um, let me think. I think my favorite Leo movie that I've seen so far is Catch Me If You Can. Interesting. Because it's so fun and it's so not Leo. 
It's like off after we watch that, I might change my mind about this. But currently, like I was just I was surprised how much I liked this movie. I didn't think it was my kind of movie, and I didn't think I was going to get that into it. And I was just like, I I just loved the way it, I just loved the feel of it. I loved all the performances, minus one thing, and that would be Cameron Diaz. But oh, I didn't even think she was that bad because that's one of the things that I remember when the movie came out was people trashed her. Performance. She wasn't that bad. She just. Wasn't that good? <laughs> I actually thought. Well, she was let's pretty move good. on to trivia facts, and I can tell you who else was considered to play the part of Jenny. Okay. Okay. Was it me? Because I think I actually would have. You really would good have, at that but you were a little too young. I was fifteen. I would have been perfect. Yeah. No. No. Okay. All right. Trivia facts. Leo broke Daniel Day Lewis's nose during their big fight scene, but Daniel Day Lewis, being the badass he is. Just kept going while he was like bleeding out his nose. <laughs> of course he, he did. God love Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> He's he is an international treasure. Um, we haven't like introduced the characters really, but there's a character named Bill the Butcher who's like the leader like the mayor of the five points kind of, right? Um, and he's Daniel Day Lewis's character. And in the film he has a glass eye because so he cut out his own eye, right? I was unclear on that. Okay. I was unclear too. So something happened where he lost his eye. So Daniel Day-Lewis had basically like a glass contact made to go over his real eye. And then he taught himself to tap it with a knife without blinking. I just have to say really, really quick. Shout out to Daniel Day-Lewis's wife. Seriously. Because this woman has lived with so many freaking weirdos over the years. <laughs> she's like, this guy she, sucks, but my real husband's so <laughs> She's like, when he's not working, he's amazing. But right now, he's Billy the Butcher and just walking around my house with knives, like, being violent. Yeah, because if you don't know this, Daniel Day-Lewis stays in character the entire time that he's filming a movie. Not just on set, but the whole time, no matter what. Like, he talked in the accent. Uh, the whole time and then after they finished filming um, Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio asked uh, him out to go to dinner with them and he went as Bill the Butcher and scared the waitress of course he did what a terrifying human also like wait this is totally off topic but really really fast his wife like it might be like like, like how weird would it be to like bingity bangity Lincoln <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just think about it. Mom, I'm sorry. You no, don't have to I don't listen anymore. Th- I don't want to think about it. I that. don't want to think about it. For me, I'm just saying it's like a weird thing that she has to do. This is the life that she has chosen. That is the life that she has chosen. And God bless her for it. Amen. Okay. Uh, most of the gangs were that they were mentioned were real New York City gangs in the 1860s. And Bill the Butcher was based off of a real guy named Bill Poole who was also known as The Butcher. Both Leo and Martin Scorsese took salary reductions to keep the film on budget, which just shows he really cares about his work. That's nice. You know? Daniel Day-Lewis nice? didn't take a pay cut? No, he did not. But he might not have been making as much. I don't know. Leo was like, you know, like the highest paid actor at this point, I think. That's true. As I said, Daniel Day-Lewis is well known for Never Breaking Character, and he talked in his Bill the Butcher accent the entire duration of the film, even at home. The accent was based off of recordings of Walt Whitman on like a clay thing where he said just a few words. And also what it sounds like when people try to figure out words by reading them phonetically. Hmm. Uh, the personality and affect of the Butcher were inspired uh, by Daniel Day-Lewis listening to Eminem. 
And also, adding to this fun fact, Daniel J. Lewis is a naturalized citizen of Ireland. Oh, he's Irish. No, he's actually English, but he's a citizen of Ireland. I'm confused. Okay. Naturalized. Oh, yeah. I know what that word means. Got it. (laughs) Um, The idea for the film was first conceived in 1978, and Martin Scorsese wanted Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi to play Amsterdam and The Butcher, which would have been a very different movie. That would have been a really different movie. Like, was it supposed to be a comedy at that point? (laughs) Martin Scorsese's like, he's like, you guys, I've got this great idea for a movie. It's a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other, but I kind of see like, a little, also where some of that cartoony would come, like cartoony feel would come if he's thinking of those actors in the very beginning. Yeah. Like, you know, like the kind of feel that he always wanted it to have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cameron Diaz was not originally cast as Jenny. Would you like to guess which actress was first cast as Jenny? You know this actress. Reese Witherspoon. Sarah Michelle Geller. Are you kidding me? Buffy? Yeah. Oh, Buffy would have been so good. Buffy gets so close to making out with Leonardo DiCaprio so many times. I know. I mean, she's had a lot of luck in her life, but that's one thing she's not lucky at. Mm -mm. Um, She dropped out because of Buffy, and they probably would have been filming season five or six, which are like my two favorite seasons. So that's fine. Yeah, that's cool. Good choice. Good choice. Also, you don't get to make out with friend of the podcast, James and Leo. You just don't. It's Mm -hmm. not the way the world works, and it's not the way human beings get lucky. Okay. It's not fair. It's not fair. Um, Leo was scolded heavily in front of the entire cast and crew one morning when he turned up to the set super hungover. Good. (laughs) He got screamed at by Martin Scorsese in front of everyone. Good. Like, they gathered around him and yelled at him. So, I hope that he has never done that again. Yeah, I hope so, too. People showing up to work hungover is stupid. It is. Um, or drunk. Don't do that either. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, just be responsible. Um, production designer Dante Ferretti recreated over a mile of mid-19th century buildings consisting of five blocks of uh, lower Manhattan, including the five points, part of the East River waterfront um, with two full-size sailing ships, a 30-building stretch of Lower Broadway and replicas of a mansion, Tammany Hall, a church, a saloon, a Chinese theater, and a casino. Wow. And uh, then when um, George Lucas came to visit Scorsese when he was doing this, he told him, you know, you can just do this all by computer now, right? (laughs) Aw, that's cute. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis employed two circus performers to travel to his home in Ireland to teach him how to throw thin, sharp daggers. He also went to work in a butcher's shop for several weeks to learn how to meticulously incise and gut carcasses. He does not half-ass anything. No. He He whole-asses everything. He he, he goes to 15. Like, everybody, like, Leo goes to 11, or not Scorsese, Daniel Day-Lewis goes to 15. I mean, he must be the most intense man ever, or he's the total opposite, and he's only intense about this one thing, you know? I actually think that might be the case, because if you ever see, like, his acceptance speeches for every Oscar he's ever been nominated for, um, mm-hmm. he's always very, like, meek and mild-mannered oh and, like, gentle. Like, I think he might be a very delicate, gentle soul. But I think he just, like, doesn't half-ass things. Okay. He probably had no has so many cool skills. 
I know. I was thinking of all the stuff that you really have to, like, Leo had to learn to throw knives, too. So now Leo has gun twirling skills, sword fighting skills, and knife throwing skills that he has gone to his computer and added to his resume. Wait, so when Billy the Butcher and Jenny do their whole knife throwing thing, did he really do that? No. I don't know. Yeah. Because I, I feel not, like they would, would be like, for safety reasons, we can't Daniel Day-Lewis. And he'd be like, I'm Billy. And they'd be like, Billy, we can't. And he'd be like, F you, and then throw it. <laughs> and then throw the knife. And do it perfectly. Uh, okay, this little next section is about their accents. Okay. So particular attention, and I copied and pasted this because I didn't want to mess it up. Okay. okay. Particular attention was also paid to the speech of the characters as loyalties were often revealed by their accents. The film's co- uh, voice coach, Tim... Monic or Monich, resist probably Monic, resist uh, resisted using a generic Irish brogue and instead focused on the distinctive dialects of Ireland and Great Britain. As Leo's character was born in Ireland but raised in the United States, his accent was designed to be a blend of accents typical of the half Americanized, which is why it sounded like he forgot to be Irish sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to develop the unique. Uh, lost accents of the Yankee nativists, such as Daniel Day-Lewis's character. Um, Monich studied old poems, ballads, newspaper articles, which sometimes imitated spoken dialect as a form of humor, and the Rogue's Lexicon, a book of underworld idioms compiled by New York's police commissioner, so that his men would be able to tell what criminals were talking about. <laughs> that, that sounds like the coolest book. I need to get that. <laughs> I actually know somebody who would, like, really like that. Yeah. So, like I was talking uh, about before, an important piece uh, that they used was an eight, was an 1892 wax cylinder recording of Walt Whitman reciting four lines of a poem in which he pronounced the word world as boiled and the A of an nasal and flat like an. Monet concluded that the native 19th century New Yorkers probably sounded something like the Brooklyn cabbie of the mid 20th. But so they, no. they kind of sounded a little bit like this. And they sounded a little bit like Jimmy McGumption. <laughs> Maybe. Friend of the podcast, Jimmy McGumption, but they didn't talk quite as fast. Um, also considered to play Jenny Everdeen, besides Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, let's do the thing where you say, eh, or eh. You know. Okay. Okay. Christina Applegate. No. Kate Beckinsale. Who's that? You know who Kate Beckinsale is. She's mm-hmm. that like gorgeous brown-haired. Oh, the one from act. Pearl Harbor. Yes. Okay. Eh. Chris Kirsten Dunst. Could totally see that. She would have been great. Yep. Heather Graham. She would have been amazing. Um. Oh, Bryce. why didn't they do that? I don't know. Bryce Dallas Howard. Who? Um, think of the Twilight movies. The second, the second red-haired lady. Okay, uh, whatever. I can't make uh, sure. Alyssa Milano. Mm-mm. Natalie Portman. Mm-mm. Christina Ricci. She would have been she's, good. She's for everything and she never gets it. <laughs> it's because uh, she has a, t- her look is too distinct. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Winona Ryder. I could have seen that, too. Mina Suvari. Ooh, she would have been really good. She would have. And get ready for this. Eliza Dushku. Dushku! Dushku never gets the roles, either. No, I imagine that Leo's like, I saw 
um, her episodes of Buffy, and I don't want that chick anywhere near me. <laughs> but he was in a movie with her. Oh, yeah, that's right. Do you he feel like, like when she, she shows up to terrible. read with him, he's like, she's like, hi, Leo. And he's like, who are you? <laughs> and she's like, like, when oh. we worked on this boy's life together, and he's like, who were you in that movie? <laughs> Uh, and my final uh, fact is that uh, the original cut of the movie was one hour longer. Oh, my God. So this was Martin Scorsese, like, being modest, <laughs> like, hold, yes. like c- holding back. Yes. Yes. Whew. So. Okay. Um, okay. So the background. You ready? Yes. Gangs of New York was released in December 2002 when Leo was 28 years old. Um, it had been like the release was pushed back a year because of 9-11. And so it was in the theaters the same time as Catch Me If You Can, even though it was filmed like way before. Um, the screenplay was written by Jay. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't. I'm so immature. Like, how can I not read this name? Like, okay. All right. The screenplay was written by <laughs> Jay Cox. <laughs> I'm sorry, because it's not, it's not C-O-X. That's why I'm laughing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Steven Zalian and Kenneth Lonergan. Yeah, Um, Lonergan. Lonergan. And it was based on a 1927 nonfiction book of the same name, which was written by Herbert Asbury. Scorsese, an Italian-American, grew up in Manhattan and was fascinated by immigrant stories. After reading Asbury's book, he was set on turning it into a movie and acquired the film rights to the book in 1979, but it took 20 years to start production. Scorsese had a specific vision for the film, which was directly opposed uh, by producer Harvey Weinstein, who wanted a streamlined version of the story, which is what you like, Meredith. (laughs) Does that just mean not three hours long? Streamlined. I don't know what that means. Are you not calling three me hours basic? Long. No. Because I just didn't want it to be three hours long. I'm not calling you basic. Okay. Um, I didn't want it to be dumbed down at all. Yeah. Scorsese's version was four hours long. Um, but everybody ended up being happy with the result in the end. It was kind of a compromise. Uh, the film was made in Rome to accommodate the huge set of 1860s New York and was fairly historically accurate. The clothing, the buildings, and most of the events were all approved by a historian that they hired who's like knows all about the five points. The gangs mentioned were all real gangs, including the Bowery Boys, the Plug Uglies, the True Blue Americans, the Shirt Tails, and the Dead Rabbits. Which of those gangs would you like to be a part of? The, the Dead Rabbits, obviously. And who would you not like to be a part of? The Native Americans. <laughs> no. The American Natives? The Yankee? Um, you're not into the, the, the plug. You want to be? Ones. You're okay with the plug uglies? Yeah, plug uglies are awesome. <laughs> That's a baller name, man. Because I bet that they were ugly because they got in so many fights. Probably. Yeah. He's plug ugly. I can hear it. It's great. He's it's plug ugly. <laughs> Is that a real saying? Yeah. Oh, cool! I didn't it's know like, that. It's like her. Like you'll hear it in movies and stuff of this of this time period. It's not like an unheard of phrase. Okay. Nobody says it now, but. <laughs> and of course, the neighborhood of the Five Points was real. the pi- The Five Points was a neighborhood in Lower Manhattan. Um, the neighborhood was generally it still defined. Is. It it says was. It says it doesn't exist anymore. 
that square doesn't exist, but it's no, 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 like the fact the five that- points. Oh, okay. I've heard it um, referred to as that. There's a pizza place called The Five Points that's right there. Well, you should go in there and start quoting this movie. <laughs> I should or Blake should? Either one. <laughs> Do you happen to have a pizza pie for a gentleman? <laughs> Do you happen to have a single pizza pie that a gentleman might eat? <laughs> Anyway, so the neighborhood of the Five Points was generally defined as being bound by Center Street to the west, the Bowery to the east, Canal Street to the north, and Park Row to the south. And can I just say two things? One, what's a Bowery? It's it's a street. Okay, but what? Why does it say the Bowery? It's because it's also like a district. It's basically Third Avenue below Astor Place. Okay. Okay. So I thought it was maybe something because it says the Bowery and then I got all well, confused. Well, no. Yeah. No. Like the whole, the section of Third Avenue, that section of Third Avenue that's, I forget where it ends, probably around the five points, but like mm-hmm. um, it's just, the street name is Bowery, but it's referred to as the Bowery. People don't really okay. say it anymore. Like you would just say the street coordinates, or you'd why be like, you "Oh, just bring, why don't you bring that back?" I do actually. I say okay. the ba- I'm, I'm like I'm on, I'm on the Bowery, but you don't say I'm like you. You would say I'm in Soho, but you would say mm-hmm. I'm on the Bowery, and I have no idea why. So I'll look That's that up. Weird. Okay, I'll do some. Um, I'll do some research. Some, some. Maybe I'll go to the Tenement Museum and ask them. Yes. The <laughs> the former Five Points is now split between the Civic Center to the west, um, west and south, and Chinatown to the east and north. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, the Five Points gained international notoriety as a disease-ridden, crime-infested slum that existed well over 70 years. Bill Poole, who was the inspiration for Bill Cutting, was a real man who had just as much prestige in the neighborhood as the butcher did, although he died years before the draft riots, which are depicted at the end of this movie. Um, the film was This film was well-received and was nominated for 10 Oscars. But it didn't get any. Didn't get any, and none of them were for Leo. Also, I remember Bono was freaking pissed that he didn't win for the song that he wrote for oh, this. Get over it, Bono. But also, like, real quick, I think it's super weird that they had Bono write that song as Bono is not American. Yeah, but. Like, there's plenty of Irish American people I, to write this I, song. Um, it's hey, specifically hey, about Irish Americans. I, I think, okay, but. Um, no, I'm not being nativist. I'm just saying. Okay, okay Bill. No. Um, good Lord. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Also, how did Daniel Daniel Lewis not win that year? He didn't win that year? No. The, it was the year that Adrian Brody won for the pianist. Holocaust Halle Berry. That's how he no, won. Oh, yeah. that's how. Yeah. I mean, also, that was movie. a really good movie with a fantastic performance. Oh, it's I not like I, he didn't. It's not like he didn't deserve it. <laughs> I haven't seen it due to my aversion to oh, Holocaust so movies. Good. It's real good. Um, yeah. So that's that's the background. Nice. Any questions? Anything to say? Any additions? Uh, no. Okay. Everything else can be addressed as we go along. Okay. So now we're going to start the plot. And I just have to say this is a very long plot. And all the parts that I mention are really important to the story. <laughs> so bear with us. Meredith, interrupt as we go. Um, Don't worry, I will. Okay. Okay, so this movie is classified as an epic. So there's a lot to it. 
And I'm like a little bit nervous to talk about the plot because I kind of don't feel qualified. <laughs> no, it's really complicated and like yeah. very rooted in actual events of history. So it's like yeah. it's like trying to explain like the plot of like a Civil War movie and you're like, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I You don't know how far to go back to explain things. And like, I don't want to get anything wrong or miss anything. So this is just my best recollection of the movie, which is kind of funny because the movie opens with Leo's amazing voice whispering to us. And one of the things he says is that he remembers some of it and some of it might have been a dream. Oh, I didn't catch on to that. Yeah. I think that's what he says. Probably. I don't think he meant about the whole thing, just about that, uh, the memory of the first fight. So. Oh, right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, so it starts out with Leo kind of like whispering to us in a voiceover. Uh, but how did you feel about the all the voiceovers? Um, I don't really like voiceovers typically, and I felt that it was kind of redundant. Okay. Like, I got a lot of it without the voiceover, mm-hmm. and I I don't know. I think some of it was necessary because you don't get, like, his character doesn't actually say a lot in the movie mm-hmm. and has to be very reserved for reasons which will become clear as you describe the plot, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I didn't need as much as they gave me. I think we could have done with flashbacks or a voiceover, but maybe not both. Yeah. Yeah, it was the combination. Mm-hmm. Makes it feel a little bit cheap for some reason. Like, or like, they feel like we're really dumb. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's and the, that's everybody's beef with voiceovers all the time. Like, it's 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 tell you, don't show you kind of thing. Like, whereas mm-hmm. show, don't tell is what's valuable storytelling wise. So. Right. Like, you're only supposed to use it when you really have to. Right. Okay, so there's voiceover. And then there's this pretty badass sequence where a priest named Valen is preparing for a battle. And he's shaving, and it like shows like a really close-up of him shaving with a blade, and he cuts himself, and he hands the blade to his very young son. The blade and the stays son- on the blade. Okay. <laughs> I'm coming to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> the son goes to wipe it off like on his side, and the priest tells him, The blood stays on the blade. The blood stays on the blade, which apparently is something that gives men the feels. <laughs> Why does the blood stay on the blade? Doesn't he get that blade back later? But why does the blood stay on the blade? I don't know. Is it because I thought for some reason? Well, OK, I thought that was foreshadowing. I thought that he was going to kill um, Bill with that blade with his father's blood on it. No? Okay. I don't know, man. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> so the blood stays on the blade. Uh, then he, the priest, and his gang, the Dead Rabbits, a group of Irish immigrant Catholics, head out to fight. And it is Manhattan in 1846 in the slum neighborhood of the Five Points. And the Dead Rabbits are entering a final fight with a rival gang, the Natives a Protestant gang of men born in the U.S. whose families were probably, like, some of the first people here. Like, they're very into their their fathers fought and died and the wars, and they really hate immigrants, especially the Irish. Which is stupid, because who hates the Irish? Everybody did for a really long time. I'm an American-born citizen who's, like, an eighth Irish, but that's the heritage I choose to celebrate. You're probably more than an eighth Irish, let's be honest. That's true. That's true. I like I I love Irish people. I mean, they know how to party. They 
yeah, think of the below decks in the Titanic. Yep. Okay, anyway, there's this big bloody battle, and this is where we first meet Bill the Butcher Cutting. So sometimes I'm going to call him Bill. Sometimes I'm going to call him the Butcher. It's really just to switch it up. It's the same guy. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, and he's an old-timey, like, okay, I know he's disgusting, but he's, like, kind of weirdly hot, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's because so- Daniel Day-Lewis is extremely sexual. He yeah. can't not be sexual. Yeah. Yeah. You can't turn um, that kind of sexuality on and off. It just oozes from true. him. Um, and he has this crazy hair, which is like greasy and slicked down onto his head. And then it's kind of like free flowing on the sides. Oh, he has hat hair. Yeah, it's quite a look. It's quite a look. It's uh, still better than uh, Donald Trump's. I just want to say that. True story. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill is called the butcher because he is very skilled at butchering things, <laughs> which is kind of obvious, whether it be a pig or... A human being. Mm-hmm. I just, ew. Uh, he's an egomaniacal, xenophobic dude with a love of plaid and violence. And when he shows up to fight Priest Valen, he is there for blood and maybe some limbs. Um, a huge brawl erupts between the gangs with Priest, Valen, Priest Valen's son watching. He sees his father get slaughtered by the butcher which, by the way, was supposed to be much more brutal than it was. He was supposed to dismember him, like, right there in front of everybody instead of just cutting off his arm. So in that scene when he cuts off his arm, that was just the first one. They were supposed to, he was supposed to totally dismember him, but they were like, eh, that's a little too violent. So they didn't do that. Wow. They'd totally yeah. do that now, though. <laughs> yeah, they totally would now. Um, and so his, uh, the priests, why does the priest have a son? That's a good question. If is he really Catholic, a priest or is he just called the priest? I think he's really a priest. He wear, he wears the robes and stuff. Maybe he became a priest after he was married. Like his wife died or something. Okay. Because you, you can become a priest after having been married. You right. just can't get married if you're a priest. Right. Which is silly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so the son sees his father get killed and he... Runs down to be with him. Uh, and the butcher is weirdly... The butcher's, like, weirdly sentimental about killing the priest. Like, kind of like a hunter who claims to respect an animal he's just killed, you know? Like, this beautiful beast. <laughs> like, I have bested the beast. I have conquered the beast. I have conquered And therefore the I have conquered the beast within. I am Ooh, going to I think hang I understand this. hunting all of a sudden. <laughs> that's the... <laughs> Wait, that's from... New girl, yeah. New girl, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> and also, I think uh, Parks and Rec as well. It's no. a good mashup. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't even realize that. It's just part of my conscious now. <laughs> Ron Swanson so anyway. is the voice in my head. <laughs> um, so he has this weird, like, sentimentality about this guy he's just killed because he obviously had a deep respect for him, even though they were total enemies. And before, he, sorry, before he leaves the body, he tells his goons to make sure that Valen's son gets a good education. Um, but the boy pulls free and grabs the knife that has uh, that killed his father, turns around and threatens everyone with it, and then runs off. And he's chased, but he's saved by another kid named Johnny. And um, he, being the kid, the son, hides the knife in the ground. 
and then he's taken to an orphanage to be raised. No, he's taken to like jail. No, he's taken to an orphanage. It's like juvenile hall. It's not okay. like an orphanage. It's like jail. But, oh, I misunderstood that. Okay, yeah. so he went to jail. Um, and 16 years later, the son, who is going by the name Amsterdam and is played by our very best friend, Leonardo DiCaprio, returns to, <laughs> returns to the five points seeking revenge on the butcher for the death of his father and the dead rabbits. So this is where it's like quick and the dead part two. Mm-hmm. Except Amsterdam is the lady and the mayor is Bill. And that's, except for this movie, is like 10,000 times better. Yeah, way, 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 way better. And there's more Leo. <laughs> and there's way more Leo. And Leo has um, like chin length brown hair that he wear. that he also has like a little pad one. Like braid. Oh, yeah. And, like yeah. a little Celtic braid in there. Yeah, he has like a little Celtic or Padawan braid. And then he wears it up um, in like man buns quite a bit. I liked it. I love a good I man liked, bun. I could not believe how much I liked this look on him. It this, was This movie is really good if you like Celtic men. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> this movie's really good if you like. Yeah, like the, Leo looks like really. A lot gruffer. Oh, but they did make his teeth, like, disgusting. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So the first thing that Amsterdam does when he arrives at Five Points is retrieves the knife that killed his father that he buried. And then he runs into Johnny, who is the boy that saved him 16 years ago. And Johnny takes Amsterdam under his wing, showing him the lay of the land in the Five Points, what gangs are there now, and informs him that after Priest Valen's death... The butcher became basically like the dawn of the five points and every gang pays tribute to him. Like he controls everything there. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but several of um, Amsterdam's father's most loyal bros now work for the butcher, including Mm -hmm. the constable who's played by John C. Riley. Oh, God. I love John C. Riley. I was so pleased when his face popped up. I was like, you're in this? Now my life has just gotten better. I know. I know. It's magical when he shows up places. Yeah, this is his second movie with Leo. The first um, being What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so he plays the constable who used to be on the dead rabbit side, but is now basically under the thumb of Bill. Um, And he's a totally corrupt constable who's in Bill's pocket and Amsterdam's like kind of pissed about that because he's like, okay, well, all these people who were loyal to my father are now loyal to his killer, and that he's that sucks. He's not happy. Um, so the butcher cannot get over killing the priest. Like it was like the turning point in his life, and was apparently like when he killed what he considered to be his most worthy opponent. And every year on the anniversary of this brawl. The butcher has a celebration to commemorate his favorite kill by drinking something that's on fire. I don't. Do you remember what that is? Probably just whiskey. Oh, it's like some drink they set on fire and then he like holds it up and makes a big speech and somehow does not burn his mustache off. I don't know how he does that. Yeah. So Amsterdam. It is a mustache. It is a mustache. The kind that always makes it look like he's smiling just a little bit in the way that makes you feel incredibly uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. you would not want to be in a room alone with him. No, no, you wouldn't want to be alone in a room Uh, alone with this uh, man ever. Never, never. Um, 
so this whole celebration of the priest's death doesn't sit well with Amsterdam, and he decides that this um, celebration when the butcher's making this speech next year will be the perfect time to kill the butcher publicly. Agreed. Great time. It's great time. You always want to kill someone publicly, you know? Well, he makes that says that thing. When you kill a king, you don't want to kill him in the dark. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's for real. Um, so Johnny, the friend, is involved in a gang of thieves that, from what I could gather, work for Bill in some capacity. Or they at least, like, have to share some of their loot with him. I think that's just, like, how all the gangs were, though. Well, no, I know. I'm just, like, make, I'm just making sure that he, they... That I didn't misunderstand. I think they might be kind of like errand boys. For him. For him. Yeah, I don't think... Because they don't have their own, like, gang name. Like, they're not like the Plug Uglies or the Bowery Boys. Okay. Yeah, but they were still... They're still thieves, though. Like... Um, Johnny is also very attractive. Johnny is very, very attractive. Um, Really, in the man category, this movie did not disappoint. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Very good. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but, so, but they do, uh, Johnny does have a group and he brings Amsterdam to join this group and he doesn't tell the butcher who Amsterdam is. He just plays it like he's like a random Irish immigrant and the butcher brings him into the fold as just one of the filthy Irish people that he happens to be nice to. So now Amsterdam has his way in to kill the butcher and all he's got to do is gain his, gain his uh, trust. And all of this plan probably would have gone well had it not been for his man brain becoming completely distracted by a redheaded Irish pickpocket named Jenny, played by Cameron Diaz. And I personally think Jenny could have been a charming character, but I just found Cameron Diaz lacking. I mean, Cameron Diaz is not the world's strongest actor. I will grant you that. And I think if she had not been in this movie with such, like, massively talented humans, it would have been fine. If it wasn't Daniel Day-Lewis and Leonardo DiCaprio, she would have been fine. That's true. But she just wasn't up to the the task at that point in her life. This was the first, like, serious movie that she did where she wasn't just playing, like, a sex pot. Mm -hmm. She actually had to have some sort of, like, emotional depth in this movie. And... I think she did a good job. It's a solid performance, but you're up against. She's up against Daniel Day Lewis. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, she wasn't bad. I just didn't like her as much as I wanted to the character, and I didn't really feel any of her emotions as deeply as I wanted to for the situation she was in. You know, like she'd be trying to emote, and I'd just be like, "Okay, I'm not really feeling that bad for you." You know, like yeah. I sh- and I should be because your situation is horrendous. Yeah. Um. Uh, and Leo was great at having chemistry with like almost everyone, but I didn't really feel they had strong chemistry. Not really. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like, I mean, he had much better chemistry with Claire Danes. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Their chemistry was lacking, but I think that was also fine because they weren't supposed to like really like each other that much. True, but they were supposed to be, like, madly attracted to each other. Were they, or were they just bored? Mm. And he's, I just thought that he was new and didn't know what Jenny was all about, and that's why she picked him. Oh, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, but she's really my only complaint about this film, and I would have cast her differently. Like someone a little bit more vulnerable who could do the thing where you have the tough exterior, but like the soft, gooey inside, you know? I think Heather Graham would have been perfect. Yeah, Cameron Diaz was not that individual. Okay, so Jenny is this pickpocket, and what is it, Turtle Dove? Yeah. The Turtle Dove is where you go to a rich person's house dressed as a maid and like steal from them and then leave. Which is a great idea. Wow. That's sharp. That is ballsy. (laughs) Don't do it. It's wrong. But no, I won't do it. Also, people have security (laughs) systems now. Yeah. Um, but Johnny, Amsterdam's friend, is infatuated with Jenny. And (laughs) she is clearly kind of like instantly into or at least intrigued by Amsterdam. Because of course, it's Leo. It's a classic love triangle. Super sorry, Johnny, but Leo wins every time. Yeah. And Amsterdam isn't that into her at first, or at least he doesn't show his interest until there's this like dance for everyone to come to, which is reminding me of West Side Story when like all the gangs go to the same dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As they do. As they do. We're just going to not kill each other tonight. Tonight we're going to dance. We're going to party together. We're going to get our feelings out and dance. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow we'll slaughter each other on the streets. It sounds like a plan. Sounds why violence like a plan. is nonsense. But at this dance, they do this weird thing where all the girls line up and then some old white guy picks one of them. And of course he picks Jenny because she's so amazing. And then she sits in a chair with a mirror and all the men line up behind her and like come up one by one. And then she looks in their faces in the mirror and chooses one. <laughs> like, what? Like, why can't she just look at them? First of all, how is what? this fun for everyone else? It's like, not fun. It's terrible. What is this game? Like, are all the people standing around just like, ooh, who's she going to pick? <laughs> like, keep in mind, people had zero <laughs> entertainment. Like, most of these people couldn't read. Oh, okay. So they had no entertainment. So maybe watching a hot lady, like, dismiss ugly dudes was a lot of fun. <laughs> So she dismisses Johnny, even though he's not an ugly dude. No, he's Um, very cute. Yeah. And she picks the sweet face of Amsterdam. And of course, they so they awkwardly dance. And she's like, you can hold me closer if you want. And he's like, "Okay," (laughs) Because he's like a terrible dancer. And he's still kind of like, at that point, I really felt like he wasn't that into her. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that they were that into each other at all. I think they were, he was new, didn't know what she was all about, and he'd been in a boy's prison for 16 years. That's true. So, she also had the cleanest hair of any lady around. That's true. That's true. And she's not bad looking. No, not Um, at all. So, Amsterdam and Jenny are like making out when he undoes the bottom of her shirt and sees a huge vertical scar on her belly which she lets him know is from a time when she was pregnant and they cut the baby out. Ooh. I mean. What? I. uh, And I couldn't, I wasn't sure. Is this like a way of abortion or was this a C-section or I'm, I'm unclear. All I know is that they cut a baby out of her. I have no idea. And no, he doesn't really ask any questions like, where is this baby? So no, I'm doesn't. assuming that it, it he it was an abortion. Mm. That's my assumption because he didn't he didn't seem that surprised by it, and he didn't think to ask like, "Do you have a child?" Yeah, that's walking around now. Like it was pretty obvious that she didn't. 
Yeah. He was just like, oh, okay. Like, he's Ooh. actually kind of cool about it. What a tough broad, though. Yeah. Um, <sighs> then she tells him about how Bill took her in off the streets when she was 12 and took care of her. And Amsterdam's like, well, what did he get from you? And she doesn't say anything. And it's clear that Bill, the butcher, is a gross, hideous pedophile who basically turned a child off the streets into his prostitute. He's a yes. molester. He's a rapist. He's disgusting. And it's implied that the baby was his. Like, they don't say that, but come on. Like, yeah. you know, the baby was his. Yeah. And then Amsterdam's, like, super pissed, and he's like, hells no. And it goes no further, and she leaves him just sitting there. And, by the way, that is why we should keep abortion legal. Also, slut-shaming people is not nice. No. It's not acceptable. Mm-mm. Except when sometimes we accidentally call people sluts, but we're joking. Uh, yeah, we only <laughs> ever use that word and the word bitch, ironically. Yeah. Just to be clear. Yeah. Um, okay. So all meanwhile, while all this is going on with Jenny, Amsterdam is getting closer and closer to Bill. And Bill has become somewhat of a mentor to Amsterdam. And uh, Amsterdam becomes concerned that he's actually developing real loyalty towards the butcher when he saves Bill from a would-be assassin. Um, after he's, after, uh, wait, bleh, after Bill is shot, Jenny nurses him, and Amsterdam's, like, in a drunken stupor, and he is pissed! Like, he's not pleased by this. And, okay, what do you think, why do you think he wasn't pleased? Is this, like, basic jealousy? Is the, fa- the fact that he's, like, annoyed with what Bill has done to Jenny? Or is it just like... No, I think he's mad at himself for saving him. No, no, but he's mad about Jenny, too. Yeah. But he's not that mad about it, let's be honest. <laughs> you yes, know what I mean? They, like, I don't... I think he, she, he... His feelings are, like, misplaced on her. Yeah, because Like, he's really he thinks constri- that she should have known better than to get close to this person because he should have known better than to get close to this person. Right. Right. So Jenny and Amsterdam get into a big fight, but of course the anger is actually a lot of passion and they end up bangity bangity. Ugh, I hate when that happens. Mm-hmm. It's like also not- like when ladies are fighting you, don't kiss them. Just like go away. This is the second movie in a row where Leo's had to be a little bit rough. Oh, third. No, he wasn't in the beach. Um, But in celebrity, he's had to be rough with the ladies. It's disappointing. It hurts my soul, and I hope that that he doesn't really do that. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, I've never heard anything um, like that. Um. Okay. So Johnny sees this, sees Jenny and Amsterdam together, and is super angry because that's his friend and that's the lady he's obsessed with. So. Amsterdam and Jenny are sleeping when he opens his eyes to see Bill sitting like weirdly in a rocking chair right by the bed, staring at them, wrapped in an American flag. That's how I dress every evening. He's just draped in an American flag. Who knows how long he's been sitting there? He's just chilling. 
He's he's, he's just chilling. He's, like, just, he's just living his best little life. This is what he likes to do. He likes to watch people sleep. And if he gets caught, he's not ashamed. He's and just, he likes to do it wearing an American flag like a patriot. <laughs> well, you don't want someone to wake up and think you're an immigrant. you got to wrap yourself in the flag. <laughs> you know? Like... <laughs> can't be mistaken oh my god oh Oh, everybody should just start committing crimes draped in american flags and be like i'm not an immigrant (laughs) Uh, so yeah he's rocking in this marriage in this chair an american flag um he's not upset about jenny though instead he wants to talk to amsterdam about the fall of civilization the downfall of civilization using the spectacle of violence to keep people in line through fear and he also tells him about the death of Priest Valen. And please recall here, he doesn't know that he's speaking to the priest's son. Um, he says that the priest was his last worthy adversary and the only man he ever killed worth remembering. It's just a nice middle-of-the-night chat. I mean, it's, it's the kind it's, of thing, you know. It's like one of those nights where you just have a little bit too much wine and you stay up chatting about the things the morning, that matter and the things that don't. And you're just draped in an American flag. Mm-hmm. And you're just looking at your friend and thinking, man, I, I got to spill my guts to you right now. I, I know that you just, you know, finished Maybe getting it on with my one with of my, my with my friend <laughs> and that she's there, too. But we just got we got to talk it out. We got to talk I it out. I need to talk to you about the downfall of civilization. Actually, that does sound like something that I would <laughs> call Sharice in the middle of the night. <laughs> Dreamed in an American flag. <laughs> draped and always have the American flag. Um, so Jenny was awake the whole time, and she says, "Like, actually, I don't really remember what happens here." She says she's going to San Francisco. I think at this point, no, right? no, no, no. <laughs> I think no, no, no. This is when she basically like is like she tells Amsterdam that Bill never touched her until she asked him to, that oh. she wasn't forced into anything. Oh, that's right. Okay. I mixed up all their scenes kind of mushed together for me. Um, But yes, she does say that. And so I guess that makes him an okay guy. No, it doesn't. Okay. So on the day of the celebration where the butcher drinks the fire to celebrate his victory over the dead rabbits, Johnny reveals to the butcher Amsterdam's identity because Johnny is very hurt that his friend has... Um, slept with his lady and so Johnny's precious Fifi's got hurt so he had to ruin his friend's life yes well as you do I mean I've said it before and I'll say it again rejected men are volatile Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. volatile creatures (laughs) so he reveals to Bill who Amsterdam is and what his um, goal is in being near Bill which is to kill him Uh, Later, uh, to kill him that night, actually. So later, as Bill is making his toast to Priest Valen, Amsterdam throws a knife at him, but Bill deflects it with his own knife because he has skills. Yeah. Uh, But he doesn't kill Amsterdam for trying to kill him. He wants him to live in shame, and he burns his cheek with hot metal from a knife over a fire to disfigure him. But before he does that, he takes a cleaver and he throws it into the air and wherever it may fall is where it may fall and it's a fun mm-hmm. game for everybody mm-hmm. he also like strings him up and then asks everyone which part of the body he should cut out mm-hmm. 
liver, kidneys, gallbladder. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like people needed stuff to do. Yeah. I think the internet is probably why we don't have public executions anymore. That's good, though. I know. So this is where it all starts to get a little bit uh, more violent. <laughs> Jenny uh, nurses Amsterdam back to health after having his cheek burned. And she tries to get him to leave and go to San Francisco with her by boat because women are always just meeting Leo and then being like, hey, let's I'm go. Inviting, I'm inviting myself into your life to travel. Like, let's do this. This is to like be the fair, third though, time. Jenny was the one with the cash. That's true. She, she was, was like, I got two hundred and thirty dollars. Let's which do was a this. lot. Yeah. Um, so she says that they're going to go to San Francisco. But Amsterdam isn't having any of it, and he announces the return of his gang uh, by putting a rabbit on a stake or a stick in the middle of town. To like a dead rabbit, obviously, for the dead rabbits, you see. Yes. And Bill sends the constable to go investigate the rabbit incident, but Amsterdam kills him and hangs his body in the square. The constable. Yeah. He kills the constable and hangs his body in the square. Yeah, because he's not messing around anymore. No, he's done. He's done. No playing. more Mr. Nice Guy. No, he's got like a big burn on his cheek and he's he's pissed about that. His pretty face is messed up. Getting stabbed um, in the stomach typically changes a person. Generally. Generally. Um, so Bill's like, oh, that's not how this is going to go down. And he brutally beats Johnny like to within an inch of his life and then hangs him outside like on a fence like crucifi- crucifixion style it's horrible and it's, then Amster- it's like it's honestly the, the worst part of the movie yeah amsterdam finds him and johnny is just screaming out in pain screaming for um amsterdam to kill him and so he shoots him in the head to put him out of his misery that was the right thing to do it was the right thing to do but like he's sh- chain of leos Chain of Leos in the beach. In the beach, he mercy kills that guy in the in the forest. Yes, he does. Oh my chain, God, chain of, of Leos. friggin' Leos. Oh my God, he can't he can't stop. He can't Mm-mm. be stopped. Can't stop, that's won't stop. He, that's why he hasn't made Devil in the White City yet. There's no connection yet. I know. He's got to like work up to it. You he's know? like there always must be. He's, he's like Hansel and Gretel. There's breadcrumbs. There's got to be breadcrumbs, and in the end, there will be one grand film that we will all be rewarded with. Yeah, his magnum opus. okay so then it starts getting a little bit political um okay amsterdam is promised that a local politician will back an irish candidate for sheriff in exchange for the irish votes for that candidate boss tweed is the guy who boss tweed who is a real person yeah because he wants to be reelected, so he's trying to get the irish vote um, Amsterdam and Bill both force people to vote on election day because that's real voter fraud. <laughs> yeah. And they <laughs> would like shave people- dudes beards and send them back again mm-hmm, to make sure. Yeah. Cause they did. So they didn't look the same. Um, lots of people, uh, vote more than once. And then the Irish candidate wins by more votes than there are voters. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill is furious and humiliated. And so he goes and kills the Irish candidate with a hatchet. Yeah. And then Amsterdam is like, oh, hell no. And he casually challenges Bill and 
his natives, the gang, to fight his new gang, the Dead Rabbits. Because he's gotten all these people to be part of his gang now. So he's a gang leader. He's a, a figurehead in the community. Mm-hmm. Rival, rivaling Bill. Yeah. Okay, so now, ladies and gentlemen, three hours later, we have arrived at the final brawl. <sighs> Actually, okay, two hours and, and like, like, no, like, I don't know. There's like 50 minutes of the brawl. Okay. It's long. So basically what's happening is there's a draft happening at the same time as all of this. For the Civil War. For the Civil War. And people are not pleased about this. So there are uh, New York City draft riots that really happened. And they these riots break out just at the same times as the gangs are preparing to battle at the Five Points. And Union Army soldiers are deployed to control the draft rioters. The gangs start to brawl, but they're interrupted by cannon fire from naval ships firing directly into the square. Between the cannons and the soldiers, many of the gang members are killed. So, like, they didn't even die in their own battle. They died in this riot that they weren't really part of because they were fighting their own battle. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Bill and Amsterdam face off against one another until Bill is severely wounded by a piece of shrapnel, declaring, thank God I dry a true American, which is what? Bill Poole, the guy that this character was based off of, actually said when he died. Uh, and then Bill is finished off by An- Amsterdam. Amsterdam stabs him, and he dies. Hold they die holding hands, like he's holding. It's the weirdest relationship. <laughs> it's not what one would call a healthy relationship. There's a fair amount of codependency. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Like he admires the people that he hates and respects them and so he wants to kill them <laughs> i think it's like that kind of, that thing where you like hate the most in other people what you hate in yourself maybe but he also like really likes himself yeah and he he like there is this knowledge behind even if they don't admit it like you have to know as an as an american that is not you know african american or native american that you come from immigrants Mm-hmm. that at some point somebody was an immigrant. Right. Like, you were not born here. Like, it's different for African Americans because of, you know, slavery, which is horrible. Um, yeah. And then, like, Native Americans obviously were already here. But, like, I think he knows that on some level. And well, because he has a lot of Irish friends, actually. Yeah. He surrounds himself with Irish people. It's, and yet he's, like, super against the Irish. It's weird. It's really yeah. weird. So he dies at the hand of um, his greatest kill's son, which I think he finds probably the only way that he would want to die. Yeah. Like, if someone's going to kill him, it better be that guy. Yeah. Um, And he's buried on a hilltop cemetery in Brooklyn, adjacent to Priest Valen. And he actually has a wooden uh, tombstone, which is supposed to show that even though he was very respected in the community, nobody wanted to put up the cash to give him anything but a wooden tombstone. And the priest's is like a beautiful Celtic cross. Yeah. Um, Amsterdam buries his father's razor with the blood on it. The blood stained blade. See, don't, I think he stabbed him with the razor. He probably did. Okay, so that makes sense because then he stabs him with the blood of his father. So, I know, but yeah. the dad didn't know that was going to happen. So why well, does he, the blood stay on the blade? Why is that important? Just in case you happen to fight his enemy with a razor. I, I don't know that he was all necessarily talking only about that razor. 
He's probably talking about any weapon you use. Keep the blood on the razor, on the I blade. Know. I don't know. Maybe it's an Irish tradition we don't understand. Okay. Okay. So anyway. <clears throat> so he buries the razor and leaves for San Francisco with Jenny, um, narrating that in the time New York would be rebuilt as if we were never here. Um, the passage of time is depicted rapidly with modern New York being built up over the next hundred years and the graves of Bill and the priest becoming overgrown and forgotten. And the last scene is the New York skyline, which unfortunately has the twin towers. And that's all I could think about. Um, no, I think that was done on purpose. Yeah, but they didn't do anything to it after it was finished. Ever. That's what I'm saying. They left it in on purpose. Okay. They could have and taken it out because it obviously like it's, still to this day like hard to see images of the twin towers for most people um but they they chose to leave it in and i don't i think that was intentional and i think it's like i i actually like thought it was the most brilliant part of the whole movie was the last shot um because so it it, it takes place like in basically brooklyn bridge park between which is, well, it's what's now is Brooklyn Bridge Park. That didn't exist until recently. And so there, it's, it's right in between the Manhattan Bridge and the Brooklyn Bridge, and it's one of the best views of the city. And so you get the whole financial district and lower Manhattan in between these two gorgeous bridges facing west. And um, like, so the Twin Towers would have been framed by these two bridges um, when they were standing. Now it's the Freedom Tower that's there. Um, so I don't know, like whether or not they intended it, they ended the film on an image that for all of us who remember that day evokes incredibly violent memories. Like the mm -hmm. violence continued. Mm -hmm. The violence of the past was like wiped away and we forgot about it. And then there's new violence. And someday that violence too will be wiped out and forgotten and there will be new violence. And it's sort of like this reminder that you violence is like ubiquitous throughout our history and mm -hmm. will continue because we don't learn from the past. No, we don't, because this story could have been absolutely told today. This is like, Leo is this always is like is, ahead of his time. This is what is happening right now, and our president is Bill. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like everyone should watch this movie right now. And again, like, Leo's just ahead of his time. He's ahead of his time with this me the message of this movie. Like, obviously, we have not solved these problems. It's just that the nationality of the immigrants has changed. Right. Replace Irish with... Um, Syrian, Syrian, or I Mexican. To, I, was, or, I was just trying. To, I was trying to choose between. <laughs> yeah, like any um, between anybody that we. That yeah, and I, but I thought I don't know. I, I really liked that they kept the twin towers, and I think they obviously because they held the movie for a year after because they didn't want to release violent images of lower manhattan after 9 11 which makes total sense um like they could have gone in and taken out that last shot and just had actually it. i think they probably uh it wasn't probably about the violent images it was probably more about that last shot actually than anything what do you mean like that the reason that they didn't want to release it so soon is because that's actually a very um important shot to the movie and it's like featuring them and so they didn't want to do it so they just left it out for a year yeah, I mean, but it just didn't it, release it for a year. But it weirdly made the movie more powerful. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I think they did the right thing, leaving that in and waiting. It's a good movie. It's really it's, solid. I don't know what it was about it. I just really loved it. I might change my mind when I see Catch Me If You Can next week because, um, I really love that movie. But I think I just really love most Leo movies. To be honest with you, he really just does a good job choosing his material. Whoever helps him out with that, a plus. Or maybe nobody. 
Yeah. He definitely doesn't do it all himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I just try to give him credit wherever I can. I all it's, it's really weird because this movie is so violent and like also because it's based on like real events. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be, but it's super fun. Yeah, it's it really a fun is. movie. It's like very. It's almost like Dick Tracy. Like it has yeah. that sort of like cartoony, like gangster feel to it. But so, that somehow gets you to like pay attention to like what actually bad- happened even more. Bill is one of the worst characters. Maybe I mean he butchers people. He's like delights in killing people, and he's like a pedophile and all these horrible things. But he's not scary. Like, the characters, he should be scary. He could have been played scary, but he wasn't scary. He was almost, like, a little bit laughable, you know? Like, well, and he's also incredibly human. Yeah. Like, you you get what he's after. And it actually, the, one of the things that I appreciated about this movie, because I have a really hard time understanding nativism. Like, I love immigrants. I think immigration is amazing. I love that America is a melting pot. Like, I fully embrace that narrative and, like, I'm very proud that, like, at some point one of my ancestors was like, I'm leaving Ireland or wherever and, like, came here. Like, I think we take for granted, those of us whose families have been here for a really long time take for granted how hard that is, even to this day. Like, moving, I've moved to other countries under the literal best of circumstances, and it's the hardest thing I've ever done both times. And, like, doing that and never getting to go back is just, like, something that we can't even kind of fathom anymore. And so, but, like, then thinking, so, like, I have always really embraced that narrative of America and that side of America, and I think... Like, immigrants are the lifeblood of this country and some of the hardest workers among us. And and yet, like, I was able for the first time to understand nativism hearing Bill talk. Oh, when interesting. He, when part, he's, like, part? when he was talking about his father and his father dying for this country. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, actually, the whole notion of America is really weird for those of us who were born here, we're almost landless in a weird way because we were born here, but we have no ownership over this land. Mm-hmm. So like the people who immigrated and came here even and like fought for it or whatever, but like weren't people who weren't born in America, they still have a, a land, like physical land that belongs to them, not just the notion of a country. Mm-hmm. Like for the Irish, they have Ireland or like, you know, like they have physical land that's theirs. And there's something to that. But like Americans that are descended from immigrants don't necessarily have that. This land, we we know that this land doesn't, yeah. And so it's like, but there's something, there's a draw to that. Like I need something that's mine because land in forever has meant you had power. Having land was what you needed to be able to vote and be powerful and like all these things. And that was like the first time that I understood that that's where that comes from. It's like, I don't actually have a country because but, America is so abstract. Right, but he's trying to say, this is my country. You guys are making it less my country by coming here. Exactly. But I like didn't he, understand that before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've never been bothered by the lack of ownership of the physical land. Mm-hmm. Like, ever. I've always thought it was kind of cool. I'm like... Well, and the culture, know, <laughs> because the culture changes with each, you know... 
American culture changes with each new wave of immigrants that come in, you know, and new things mm-hmm. are brought into the melting pot and then the culture changes. But if you're stuck to this idea that we own something, whether it be land or our own culture, then you don't want it to change because it's not yours anymore. So all these people own whatever land you land on. Because so all these people coming in are like the biggest threat, especially because the Irish people were so cool. But like, yeah, threat to everything. So that's why he's talking about the breakdown of civilization. That's what he's talking about. Like, he's talking about his own personal civilization. Yeah, and the fact that he has ownership of something that you can't Mm -hmm. really actually own. Right. Yeah. No, but I, I like really didn't get that before. And I was like, what are you talking about? No one is taking anything from you. Interesting. Like oh, that's I've always... how I've, whenever people are like, but they're taking our, this is our country. And I'm like, there's room for everybody. All of us could fit in Texas. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is not a problem. Show me on the map where the problem is. But I actually understood it through that performance and, and through that character. I was able to be like, oh, this is what everyone's so scared of. I still don't think it's real, but I understand it as a fear. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've always understood. I thought it was kind of silly. I thought it was a little bit immature. <laughs> I thought it was very self-centered, but I got it, you know. But he's he's the perfect character to uh, portray that because I'm a perfect actor to do so. He was so good. I just like. I'm speechless. I don't even know. Do you think he like wakes up in the morning and just looks to himself and goes, Daniel Day Lewis? Maybe. That's me. Do you think they call him Dan? No, I think you say all three names every time you talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) His wife does. Daniel Day Lewis. Excuse me, Daniel Day Lewis. (laughs) Do you think he has like friends? Because I, I feel like he's like a recluse and he only comes out to do parts. I feel like that's probably true. Yeah. He just hey. like hangs out with his wife in some like tiny little Irish village. And an Irish he, hamlet. An Irish hamlet. And then he comes out as a character and like nobody knows the real him because he's such a chameleon. Yeah. I do think that this should be like required viewing for white Americans right now. What age? When should we start showing? 12. Yes. 12? 12. They can handle it. They're very... Kids are, Kids today are sophisticated. Let okay, me tell you. Okay, but when you. I was 12, like, this kind of thing would have given me nightmares because of the violence. You know, but you're very delicate. Okay. I don't mean that in a mean way. We're all delicate little flowers in our family. But I, I... In particular... So, like, Irish Americans or people of Irish descent, which you and I are, and... Mm-hmm. A lot of the us have this like weird thing where we like really feel like we suffered as much as the black people. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like so annoyed by it. I'm like, Me no, too. indentured servitude is not the same thing as slavery. Get over it. They're very different concepts, both horrible in their own way, but they're not the same thing. Like if you were an indentured servant, your children were not indentured servants. They were free. Yeah. And you also got let go at some point. So, like, let's move on from there. But I do think it's important to remind yourself, not for, like, self-righteous reasons of, like, we suffered, but, like, to remind yourself that uh, that you were once denied the kindness that you should be giving to people now. Yeah, not like Like other people should suffer because you suffered because you actually didn't. It was your ancestors. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, like... Like, that needs to be thought of and respected and be like, hey, I'm pissed off that my ancestors were treated so badly or whatever. Um, and I don't want to tr- I don't want to be the person treating somebody else's ancestors badly. 
Mm-hmm. That's I think that's important to think about in these in these troubled times. Also, if you did have family that came over, you know, whenever in the 1860s or some other time, just be a little bit grateful because they came for you. They really did. <laughs> they- this is the only time ever that I'm going to quote Marco Rubio and like <laughs> this is like the only <laughs> thing he's ever said that made any sort of sense. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a New Yorker profile of him when people still thought that he might be able to actually run for president before he drank a lot of water and froze on camera. And <laughs> he said that if, if you are and he said if you are an American because he didn't like, you know, realize that not all Americans are willingly came here um he said if you are an american it's important to remember that at some point some one of your ancestors gave up everything so that you could have everything yes and thank you to whoever that was in our family i know i don't know when they came here we don't know enough about them oh no i've traced it back actually but when did we come here i don't remember did we come through new york i don't know yes we're on ellis we're one of our relatives has an Ellis Island name. The Fitzgeralds? No. Who? I don't remember. Oh. Was it Texas no. Ann? That's a good one. You can cut no, this Texas, part out. Texas Ann was not. Out. Texas Ann was not. Uh, Texas Ann is a, a born American. <laughs> probably a nativist. <laughs> probably. Probably. Sorry, Texas Ann. That's cool. <laughs> She's fine. She All right. Well, life. we should wrap this up. This is almost two hours long. I know. It's there's a lot of not, it's two hours long, just like the movie. You can cut out a lot of stuff too. Yeah. Um. Okay. How many Oscars would you give Leo for this performance? Twelve. Whoa. I really liked it. That's impressive. I'm gonna give him a full ten. I, I'm always a little more, you know withholding reserved reserved in in my oscars but i'm gonna give him 10 oscars well i mean like that's good i'm giving him the maximum amount (laughs) (laughs) i'm giving him more than the maximum so it's 11 from both of us 11 if you average it out leo gets 11 oscars for his performance in gangs of new york yes because when he did do the irish accent i thought it was a good irish accent yeah and he, he actually did a good job of like mixing it it's hard to do an accent that doesn't really exist anymore Mm-hmm. Um, just proud of him as a person and I'm just going to watch this morphing Leo face video for like three hours no also, not really that's creepy you and I have talked about uh, the whole accent thing is really relevant because you and I have recently talked about how my accent has changed mm-hmm. and how some of I, my I say words really weird because I've gotten like some east coast affectation to some words but I like also try and fight it so I say things like Disneyland <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't say Laura Lara, Meredith, Meredith, like, serious Meredith. Oh, oh God, no, I can't take it's, it. It's Meredith, Meredith, Meredith. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't say Laura, Ma- Meredith. Good I won't Lord. do it. I won't do it. No. Okay. Uh, now that the five pint, blah, 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 blah. now that the five points is fancy AF and Irish people are fully assimilated, it's time to end the show. In the meantime, you can find us on iTunes and Pocket Cast. I apologize for the delay in getting us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. We will be there very soon. It's a very complicated process that needs to be streamlined. So whoever wants to disrupt that, please do. Um, Please go subscribe, rate us, leave reviews, and help other people find the podcast. We can also be found on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Talk Leo Pod. And our website is Let's Talk About Leo.com. Our theme song was composed by Blake Schmidtberger, and the rest is just a Meredith and Laura production. 
production. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about Leo. Join us next week when we discuss the most delightful of all Leo movies. Catch me if you can. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I I love that movie. It's a good movie. Oh, Oh, we're just like, we're in such a good place right now with Leo. I know. You know, we're really, we're in the middle of his career thus far. And basically, we're just climbing higher and higher every week. Amen to that, sister. Yeah. All right. Peace out, Boy Scout. Bye. Bye. Do 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 to Capricorn.